Congratulations to the Pittsburgh Penguins for their second straight Stanley Cup championship. Yep. And <laughs> let the hyperbole begin. And it's uh, I always sort of giggle a little bit when I hear it. Well, and now hockey's over. No, the games are over. Hockey is a 12-month conversation, and uh, the conversation continues as we now talk about expansion and no wave tra- clauses and then the awards and how the players are going to be unveiled in Vegas and the NHL draft and free agency and nope how's it going Wait. um i'm getting off i'm getting off the merry ground i don't care about any, any of that stuff You're done, they, eh? they, they handed out the stanley cup and i feel like my work here is done you guys can handle Do all you... that expansion draft malarkey is it just me or did this season seem longer than you know the previous i don't know four or five seasons <clears throat> It did. Like this one, this this one was really pronounced. It had this one really sort of hit home about how long it was. Yeah, I think part of that's the election of Trump, uh, where uh, everything in life now seems like like it's longer, like and, it's tedious, and, and more stressful and tedious. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, I don't know. Think, you know, I, you know, I, no. you know I think part of it was honestly. What's you know, that? I think part of it was the injuries in the final became such a story, and I couldn't help but saying to myself, and I guess I say it every year. I think we've talked about it before. What if? These two teams played healthy. Oh, I agree. And who, and who wins? Who wins that series? I, I I think it would be extraordinarily closer than it was. And for the specific, sorry, my phone's going. For the specific reason that, um, you know, for those who didn't watch the Predators and their run in the West, the Johansson Arvidsson uh, Forsberg line was Amazing. as important as Pekarene. And when they needed, I mean, not only did they put up incredible numbers but like they were relied upon to change the tone and tenor of games they were as they call them game changers and so when you look at games five and six in the series and you see the way they were played and you see how closely they were played and you see how there was those moments in which the predators needed a goal desperately either to respond to the uh, penguins in game five or to get on the board you know provided the referee doesn't blow his whistle in game six and that's where they really miss Johansson and I agree with you I think I more so than Latang, because the, the the Penguins have proof of concept now they can win without Latang. more so than mm-hmm. with Latang, I think Johansson's absence from the final changed the complexion of that series and is the giant what if hanging over it yeah like why are we so in love with this war of attrition why are we so in love with this idea of let's weaken these teams as much as we can until the final and then decide who the champion is. Like, like I, I, I don't know the way around it. Um, they're not going to stop playing 82 games. They're not going to stop playing four rounds of, of best of seven hockey. I just, I just don't know. Like, I, I come away at the end of it saying, you know, did we really get an accurate snapshot of who? And maybe you never can anyway. So I'm just, you know, shaking my fist at the clouds. Are we getting an accurate snapshot of who the best team is? Well, that's a really interesting philosophical question because – you seem to want to approach uh, uh, the, the cup being handed out as the best team should win, and the Which best is why team I put more the, of a premium on the eighty-two games. So I, right, I still yeah. Think the president, so it's like you know, deal. who at the height of their powers deserves to hoist this this chalice? And I yeah. am more, uh, I'm more enamored with who is the survivor of this season that is able to make it to the end and win four games. And but that and is here's your prize. But injuries are so much a function of luck. 
right? Like we, we, we criticize the shootout for a number of things. One of it, because it's sort of arbitrary and a lot of it is based on luck. Yet we give that team that makes it to the Stanley Cup final rel- uh, as you know, relatively unscathed as, you know, well, they're the legitimate champions because, you know, they, they survived, you know, this gauntlet of, of, of four rounds. When if you look at injuries as a, as a function of luck, you say to yourself, well, did we really get the best quote unquote champion? But then again, I always catch myself and say to myself, there's probably no real way to determine that anyhow. And this <laughs> is perhaps the most, there's, this is perhaps the most entertaining way to do so. I, I just, just don't know. I just, I just find this idea like, you know, you weaken, 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 weaken teams through three rounds. And then, okay, now we're going to determine who the, who the best team is when they're nowhere close to the height of their powers. I don't know. Retort number one is obviously that, that everything in hockey is a function of luck, along with injuries. A lot of it is. Right. Yeah. And sure. then the other response is that that's why, you know, the, the, the idea that it is a war of attrition, the idea that injuries do happen, and how you respond to those injuries is the key to whether or not you become a champion. To me, that's the, the essence of hockey. Is The essence of hockey is how do you deal with adversity? How do you respond to a goal? How do you respond to a losing streak? How do you respond to your goalie uh, having a bad night? How do you respond to your goalie getting hurt? How do you respond, respond to losing your best defenseman? And to me, mm-hmm. it's, it's even more of a measure of a champion, more of a measure of greatness when you show that you can. And in the Penguins' case, the idea that they won a cup, with all due respect to two, round, two and a half rounds of Marc-Andre Fleury and a round and a half of, of Matt Murray, they won a cup with that defense. That is, to me, for all the talk about Sid and Gino and all this other stuff, that's the story that really kind of needs to be told. I'm actually going to write about it on Puck Daddy, and I'm doing the usual thing what I do on this podcast, which is to noodle through my ideas. But the idea that that defense, Dumoulin, mm-hmm. Schultz, Cole, uh, you know, Daly, Mata. Uh, whatever percentage of Daly was there, whatever percentage of Cole was there, he was banged up too. Whatever percentage of Mata was there. Oh, I, I would say that was 100% of Mata uh, making 60% of the turnovers each game. <laughs> <laughs> But like that, the idea that they won with that blue line, I mean, as you often say on this podcast, that's a copycat league. No one's going to look at that blue line and say, oh, we can win without defensemen. Because you can win without defensemen if you have Matt Murray and Sidney Crosby. But I just, it's amazing to me that they were able to patchwork it through. And the full marks for that, by the way, the full marks for that go to two guys. Sergei Gonchar who's a, like a coach for the Penguins, and he's always around the team, and he's done a remarkable job with those defensemen. And Jacques Martin, who is the guy responsible for defensive deployment on the bench. I mean, I am, I am in awe that they held it together and won four rounds of the playoffs with that, with that group. But what did they do? The, the Penguins, more so than anything else, kept pucks active in the offensive zone. They didn't back up. Right. Right. And that was allowing the wingers to regroup in the neutral zone. Like that's the system. That's that, you know, but, Mike, Mike Sullivan system. That, that's what you want. To, to but me, there were, lar- hold listen, but there were I, large I, I, swathes. There were large swatches, swaths, swaths, swaths of, swathes? of bend but don't break defense where the Penguins, as has been chronicled, I think they're the first team outside of the top 10 in Corsi to win a cup in, in recent memory. And uh, maybe ever, but I think they're top ten and top ten in Fenwick, so you get rid of the block shots. Okay, but like, but like, you you go back to these games in the playoffs, though, and I mean, there were there were times when the 
you know, whether it was the Capitals or the Predators or whomever, just carried the play. And you're looking at that defense, or do we, and, some, and somehow they're winning puck battles, yeah. and somehow they're blocking shots, and somehow they're 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 not allowing high danger chances against these teams. See, when you said that, you know, a, a lot of it is because of two people. I thought you were going to say Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. You have two of the greatest centermen to ever play the league, and that covers up a lot of your mistakes. And then you can be that outlier team that gets outshot 17 of 25 games and say to yourself, well, we have Crosby, you don't. We have Malkin, you don't. It's one of, if perhaps not, you know, the most, you know, outside of net minding, the most crucial position in the, in, in the game today. And we have two of the best. Yeah. One of which may be the very best at that position. Which which also helps when, you know, the other side is throwing Colton Sissons out at you. Not to disparage Colton Sissons, but come on already. No, but no, you're you're right. And that's and again, coming back to that, that's where Ryan the Ryan Johansson injury hurts, and that's where, you know, all of a sudden Fisher gets bumped up and Yarn Croke gets bumped up and you know, they're out of what would naturally be their, their normal position where the team can play at its full complement. Uh, I I just honestly I, I know Crosby won the cons by the trophy, but I, I think so much of this um, a Matt Murray was outstanding. You know, back-to-back shutouts. He in was last incredible. Games, in sure. game, game six man, was, Cros- was amazing. Crosby and Malkin directing with the puck mm-hmm. was spectacular. Honestly, and it's, I think I, I I don't think that can be that can be underscored enough. I think Sid won it for two reasons. Um, one because they'll never give it to a player for three rounds, which is why Eric Carlson didn't get it, although he deserved it. Um, who got the? Who hang on? Who gave him that one vote? Do you think? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm trying to figure out who gave Gensel his his first place vote. Because I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, like I, the kid. Hey, the kid had a great playoff. He had amazing uh, goal total. Uh, I think I saw a stat that said the only two players that had as many or more even strength goals than him since like '94 uh, were hey. Joe Sackick and 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 uh, Marion Gabryk in the playoffs. But let, I mean, let he's me ask, a product. He's a product of Crosby. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Let me ask. Of course, in getting the puck. Let me ask you this. If the ballots were not uh, were not anonymous, would the voters have, the one that gave one to Carlson and to Gensel, would the voting still have been exactly the same? Not at all. No, they they, they wouldn't have never done that. They don't. They, it's pretty clear from being in those professional hockey writers meetings that these guys don't want to invite that kind of thing on them when they vote for things like awards. So, it's it, it is what it is. But the, the other thing I was going to say about Sid and winning the Smite, though, like. I think there's a separation between the people that were on this series traveling back and forth between Pittsburgh and Nashville and people that were just watching the series. Because when you're in that room and you start talking to people about what Sid does beyond what he accomplishes on the ice, mm-hmm. it's pretty it, – it's without question he's the, 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 the engineer. Like, he's driving the train. Like, you know, he is the guy behind the scenes on the ice. Wherever you want to point, Crosby's hands are all over this team – and look no further than, I mean, he won the Conn Smythe in Game 5, drawing the penalty in the first 50 seconds, assisting on the power play goal, three assists in a crucial game, skating at, at twice the speed of everybody else on the ice, pretty much. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious when you're around the Penguins that he's the MVP, but I know that you can make a, an argument for Gino too. And I, and I know a lot of the argument about Gino is, well, they'll never give it to the Russian. So I get that too. Uh, I think that, you know, when you have someone like Sidney Crosby in your organization, he sets a work rate that is so high that everybody underneath him is embarrassed not to follow. Mm-hmm. Like when your best player is playing like that, like you look at it, I mean, you look at his resume already and what he's accomplished. It's Hall of Fame. This is before this year, before this year's Smythe, before this year's Stanley Cup. And he's still the hardest working guy on the team. Mm-hmm. And he's still, you know, the guy that's trying to improve his skills. He's still, you know, he's still the guy that works 
at a rate that is you know, in, inspiring and scary at times. And right. I think if you're Connor Sheary, if you're Jake Gensel, if you're Brian Dumlin, if you're whomever, you're embarrassed slash scared not to work that hard too. Exactly. And, and scared days off. My, 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 my two favorite moments about Sid in, in the uh, aftermath of game six uh, were uh, Jim, I, Jim Rutherford was talking about Sid and, and we're like, you know, why is he so good? Why is he such a good leader? And Jim Rutherford said, what? And I said, why is Sidney Crosby such a good leader? And he goes, <laughs> oh, Sidney. Okay. Well, well, he drives the train. And if you're not on the train, you're going to get run over. I'm like, oh, there you go. <laughs> there it is right there. And then the other but we're thing saying, that but we're did, saying the same thing. Jim and I just essentially said the exact same thing. Yeah, but it was funnier when he did it because he's so oh, He just wanted to use a train metaphor. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's and then okay. he gave me a Werther's. Right. He gave me a Werther's and pat me, <laughs> pat me on the head, be on my way. Um, but the, the, great, the greatest thing ever was Sid was asked by somebody, and I think it's a really good question. Like, he has literally now accomplished everything you can accomplish in this game. Gold medals, World Cup. Three individual cups, awards, individual team awards, awards back to in back the conversation slides. for top five in the history of the game. All yeah, of it. And, yeah, and they asked him, "What? Why? What? What is it? Why don't? Why do you keep coming back? Why do you do this to yourself?" And he said, without missing a beat, "It's for this moment." Like that guy, you know, his narcotic is winning. His narcotic is being around those boys in the locker room and getting champagne sprayed in his face and raising the cup and having the party at his house where people are jumping in the pool and like all that stuff is what drives Crosby. Um, and, and I'm sure in some ways validates the effort he puts into it. And I thought that was a really, it was a really interesting answer. It was very much like, it was very much like, don't you guys get it? <laughs> like, like, weren't you out there? Didn't you see like how happy everybody was? And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why you do this every year. It is interesting too, hey, because you look, you know, when he went down in the playoffs with the concussion and everyone said, you know, Crosby really, there was some, say, Crosby should never play again, you know, step, step away from the game. Yeah. He's already done yeah. this. Why is he doing this to his health? And we know he has the issues, of course, um, with, uh, with concussions, but you know, I, I'm with you. Like he's someone who in his own mind isn't done. He hasn't spent that capital yet. You know, there's the old saying, the minute you think about retiring, you're retired. Mm -hmm. And when you watch Crosby play, you say to yourself, that's someone who hasn't for a moment thought about retiring yet. Yeah. There's some guys yeah. you can watch. You can say, yeah, you know what? In his in his mind, you kind of get the sense that he's thinking, yeah, uh, I can see the clubhouse here. You know, I'm well on the back nine of the career. But I, I never get that sense from, from, from Crosby, even though, to oh. your point, he has won everything you can imagine in the game right now. I, I guess the only thing maybe left for him to do is win it with another team. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, oh, like what 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 wow. what else is there? Sorry Penguins fan, I know it's, it's listen, your team just won the Stanley Cup and congratulations. But if you're look if you're looking for the challenge, you know, to do it some, you know, to, for that that next level. You know, isn't it the Messier challenge? Okay, guy. Now do it with another team. Boy, it would take it would take a falling out with the Penguins for that to happen, and I don't know what in what scenario there would be a falling out because obviously, oh, Mario I, 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 I'm not. I listen. I don't think it happens. I think he stays a Pittsburgh Penguin. He, you know, retires. I don't know. Maybe they he ends up, you know, running the entire hockey program at Penn State on a, you know, just to to pass the time one day. I don't know, but he stays there. 
There's three scenarios in which this happens in the NHL. One, falling out with ownership, probably not going to happen. Two, not going to happen. Meets a, a woman from Los Angeles, always possible. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> three, <laughs> right? Okay. Three, wants to go play with his best friend. So what we need is for Nathan McKinnon to somehow entice Crosby to come to Colorado. <laughs> with Crosby and Kunitz to come to Colorado. Oh, they trade yeah. for they trade for Flurry. And then and then there's your scenario. Sit in Colorado with McKinnon, Flurry and Kunitz for for one last ride. Yeah. Nah, not 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 going to see it. Not going to see it. But honestly, hey, I'm just like, happy like, the what, Penguins, the, what, the Penguins held off on that I'm just happy the Penguins held off on that trade for uh, to the, of Malkin to the Kings. <laughs> oh God! How many years ago is that now? <laughs> Still bringing that up? I think 2008, 2009. Now, all right, oh, listen, man. listen, Smarty Pants. Where do you put Sid in the Pantheon? Rutherford was saying top three or four of all time. Wow. Okay. I mean, God, this is also subjective. Um, or Gretzky. Oh, here's the question. Do you is put he Crosby than Mario? Over? That's it. Do you put him over? Because that, that to me is the conversation. Do you put him over Mario? I'll put him it's over so Richard. The, I'll put him Mar- over Mario Belvo. was. Mario was. Gordy. I mean, I, I didn't get to see a lot of a lot of Gretzky in the eighties. Oh my so god! Mario was the Just most spectacular ridiculous. offensive player I've ever seen. I mean, I, I, Mario did things that I've never seen before. We'll never see again for a yep. guy of his size. He is, but, I've always said this, he is the best, from a skills point of view, the best single hockey player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Mario. without question. Without a doubt. Is Sid a more complete player, though? Is he better yep. defensively than Mario was? Yep. Yeah. I think he's, honestly, I, I, I put him over Mario Lemieux. I think he's the best best Pittsburgh Penguin ever, period. Good luck finding a Penguins fan. No agree with you. They built they built a, a rich pylon statue that featured Mario outside the arena. Man, they love the guy. <laughs> um, it that that that's all subjective. Okay, but, but honestly, let me get back to the, the original point. What's left for Crosby other than just volume? Just okay. Say, now I'll, more. Oh, oh, I'm going. I'll, I'm going. I'm I'll going g- back to the buffet. I'm still hungry, so I'm still going to eat. I'll give you what's left. You know, you know, we, you know, we actually haven't had. In many years, true dynasty. A true dynasty. Two in a row is not a dynasty. I don't even know what that means anymore. That's a back to back. Three in a row. Three in a row and four since, uh, what is it? Uh, You know, 2000. The three and six for Chicago, we call that a dynasty. Now we're saying, you know, the the back to back and the salary cap is the three in a row hasn't been done since Gretzky, my friend. Mario couldn't even do three in a row. And I'll tell you this about this Penguins team. I know, team. yeah, that's right. He got uh, Volek. <laughs> I'll tell you this about this Penguins team. The recipe for their success, insofar as repeating as champion in a salary-capped league, is they have committed 44% of their cap to four players, one of whom didn't play in the playoffs, but the other three did, and they were all really, really good in Malkin, Kessel, and Crosby. And the rest of the roster is filled with uh, veteran guys that they got on the cheap and uh, rookies and young players that are were either on their entry-level contracts or just coming off of it. And I think that there is still a recipe for this team to, to win three in a row if they get a couple of bridge contracts, Connor Sheary being one of them, 
and um, they smartly reallocate the cap space they're going to get from Flurry to maybe another defenseman. I, I, I know doesn't that three in a row sounds real lot, tough because – yeah. what were you going to say? Can, I was going to say, can, can they do three in a row with that defense? I would say they no. Could, I think if you if you can do three, in a, you, you roll the dice with. I still think at the end of it, you're going to need a healthy Chris Letang. Y- yes, I would agree for for the next run, and then add another defenseman to the mix with the uh, flurry money. Keep everybody cheap. Gensel's still on his entry level. Rust and Sheary might be up, but I think maybe Sheary's definitely up. He's definitely an RFA, but there's a chance that they could can they could retain most of this roster. And enhance it with the money you're getting from Flurry. And to, if you're asking me what hasn't been done, three yeah. in a row hasn't been done since the 1980s. Yeah, Eiserman couldn't do three in a row. Mario couldn't do three in a row. And the East does not the East does not belong to Austin Matthews yet. You can get out of the East. You know you could get past the Capitals for God's sakes. They might they might yeah. as well just like. They might as well just like throw throw the throw the towel into the middle of the rink in game one and play the Capitals. I am I am I am curious about Austin Matthews though next year and that entire team because contrary to belief from some outlets, uh, the Maple Leafs rebuild is done. Oh yeah, and it's win now time. It's win now time. Right. That's why. Well, it'd be know, oh, in the middle of a rebuild. No, they're not in the middle of a rebuild. No, I think win now is is eighteen nineteen when they get Drew Doughty. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Uh, no, but you know what? Here's the thing, and here's here's where a lot of teams, and maybe you throw Pittsburgh into this mix because I believe they're kicking tires on him when he may have been available before. I mean, the wild card for them maybe is you know how do they, how can they, or can they at all get Jacob Truba out of Winnipeg? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that to me is the guy. Point. That that to me is the guy. If you can somehow get Truba out of Winnipeg. Then I'll be loving. I'll be loving what uh, what Pittsburgh's doing a whole lot more. Speaking um, um, speaking of the uh, the uh, 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 Leafs, what do you like? Do you like the idea of potentially Ilya Kovalchuk skating with Austin Matthews? No, I mean I don't know though. I mean he's been playing in the Russian Recreational League now for a while, so I don't know what <laughs> version. Like I don't know who's coming back. Like honestly, yeah. isn't that the wild card to all of it? We think he's going to come back and snipe forty. I don't know. No, I, I agree with I, honestly, Travis. Honestly, I, 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 we didn't know we we didn't know about Radulov, and I I still don't know about. Now, what did what did Yo say about say about him? Yo said that if you run the numbers on a player of his age, you're mm-hmm. ending up with maybe a sixty to sixty five point player, which is great. But what you are you going to pay and that I, I think player? He's going to want six million. You're going to pay six million bucks for him. That's the issue. Is the money? But you know, money's not the issue if you're the if you're the Leafs right now. The issue would be term. Term. I mean, if you can get Kovalchuk for the next couple of years at $6 million, it's worth it. If you get Kovalchuk and he's asking for five years and all of a sudden it's going to monkey around with the other contracts you have to, have to, you have to start handing out, that's the issue. Yeah. It almost as if it, it seems as if, and I'm sure the player wouldn't like this, that he'll need a show-me year like Radulov. Mm. Right? To get the money What's he's there? looking for. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I don't know where his landing spot is. That's uh, I think his best. One. I know there's his, a, there's a lot of people that say Montreal, but I'm not so yeah, sure. his best landing Islanders, spot to me is going to be a, a place like well, see, I, I think his best landing spot is a place like Toronto or or Edmonton, 
where it's there's youth. He's good in the room, despite what everybody thinks of of him. Uh, he, they, That's the, right. The Devils loved him. Um, it's true. And he adds a little bit more of that dangerous offense to a team that's already dangerous offensively. I don't want him with Tavares. I think that's a bad spot. I think the Islanders are a bad spot. <laughs> but um, but they might they might they might pay him what he's looking for in in on a, on the island because they're also trying to keep Tavares there. Right. Uh, and that's an and interesting a- one come July one. And Andrew There's Ladd wasn't enough to, in- <laughs> to to to. Ah, he was injured at the beginning. He came on in the end when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of interesting. I mean, there's there's JT. There's also you know what happens with Carey Price in Montreal come July one. Yeah, that's true too. What's Connor Mc, What's Connor McDavid's number on July one? It's going to be whatever Seidel's number. Based on their hiring, it's going to be whatever the Flyers give them in an, on an offer sheet, isn't it? Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've been saying all along that if I'm if I'm the Oro Group, I'm saying 14 million for McDavid. Sure. Look around. Look at the rank. Look at the development. Look at the jerseys. Look at the packed rank. Look at the playoffs. It's one guy. God, I wish this league wasn't a bunch of of of. Well, I was going to say cucks, but you know that's still, that word's been stolen hmm. by the right. But as far as everybody, all these old boys not tendering off. The offer sheet should be used to destroy teams like Edmonton. That's why I like what Dello proposed in the Athletic with Colton Pareko. Which got tut-tutted on Leafs lunch, but his point is a completely valid one. Yeah, it makes sense at every level. It makes sense for the Maple Leafs pragmatically. Listen, if you're going to be drafting in the twenties for the next four or five years, what do you care about first round picks? Right, I'm close to winning now. Get a sure right. thing. Go I don't know. How, I don't know how. And... It, it, the bottom line in the NHL in, in 2017 is that there is a finite number of franchise level defensemen available. Well, no, let me rephrase that. There's a fine number of franchise level up defensemen, and they're never available. And that's why you had people pumping the tires of Sammy Vatnin. Oh, my God, Sammy Vatnin might be available. Oh, stop the presses. Yeah. But, like, the idea that you wouldn't offer sheet those guys every time they come up is insane to me. Like, do the Philly Weber thing every time there's a defenseman up. Because if, if, if they don't match, you get yourself a, a, a top-pairing defenseman that you can only otherwise get through the draft. If they do match, well, you've you've effed them against the cap in in perpetuity. Like it's yeah. such. I I, I, the, I know the, that the, the key is it it can only work when it's the final piece of something. It can't. The offer sheet makes no sense if it's the, like the beginning of a rebuild. But you find yourself a team that's at the end of their build and they rebuild and they need one last piece. Then you do it. That's the only time it makes sense. Which is why anyone brings up another example of other failed offer sheets for 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 teams. Just ask yourself, how close was that team to winning? And if you believe that the Maple Leafs are in the middle of a rebuild, then Pareko makes no sense. But if you look at it a little more legitimately and say to yourself, well, hang on a second, no, the rebuild's done. Look at all those forwards and a couple of defensemen. They have the goaltender. You say to yourself, yeah, they're that one piece away. It makes sense. But you just have to know, and you have to understand where a team is. And when you've spent the last year, you know, convincing yourself that this team is in the middle of a rebuild, ignoring how it's a 100-point pace past, you know, from January on. Then you say to yourself, oh, yeah, they're still in the middle of a rebuild. You need picks. No, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. They're picking 17th this year. You think they're going up or down in the draft next year. i got they're news for it. It'll be in the 20s. Picks and money. Money and picks. That's what they got. They're going to use it. So that one to me, Dello, Dello to me made a ton of sense yeah. for anyone paying attention.
if you think Colton's that that good. I really do too. <laughs> oh man, Joel Edmondson look at one of the things it's funny, I was going back and thinking about the conversations we were having at the beginning of the playoffs. Man, Joel Edmondson looked real good, hey? Yeah. And the other thing about the other thing about the Pareko offer sheet is you force St. again the predatory nature of it. You force St. Louis into a situation where they have to make another move in order to accommodate the offer sheet. Right. But I'm with you. Like I, I just, I just, I just wish you were. I just would. But but isn't there a part of you that looks at it and says, "Lou, come on! Now you're writing. Like, come on! Like, what do you care?" Well, like honestly, it's like you have to work with these people for another twenty years in the no, NHL. No, but but the, but the other, I mean, the more practical answer to why there aren't more offer sheets is mutually assured destruction. Like at some point, it'll come back to revisit you when you've got one of your guys up and they have the cap space that they're going to come after your guy. Oh, so competition. We keep hearing about it. It's a results-oriented <laughs> industry, and they compete against one another. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Philosophically, I mean, yeah, I guess, I'm just I'm disconnected here. I don't I don't understand. I guess there's another word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, let's let's uh, stay on the the Preds for a second. Um, their window is wide open, man. Like their their core is young. As long as Pekka has a couple more years left in him, I think they're they're wide open. I'd be looking for a goalie ASAP. You don't think Saros is a, is the guy? Oh no, the, no, I like I like UC Saros. Yeah, that's I what I'm saying. I think I think they, I think goaltending is not their concern. Um, um they've got this. You have. Ekholm in at a very reasonable 3.7. You have Ryan Ellison at 2.5. You have Yossi at $4 million. And this has been, you know, I know P.K. Subban makes all of the money at nine. But you know, <laughs> the, the idea that Nashville could, you know, while the perception is out there that Roman Yossi is this elite level defenseman that everybody has now discovered and stumbled upon, when really the actual underlying numbers will tell you otherwise, do you look at trading him? He's an elite offensive defenseman. Can you bring in an elite level forward to compensate for losing that defenseman, knowing that you have Ekholm, Ellis, and Subban? Well, that's the good thing about having David Poyle as your GM, is that that's not a guy who who, who colors around the edges. He throws the paint in the middle of the picture. That's a guy yeah. who will get aggressive and make the necessary changes he thinks he needs to make in order to keep this team uh, contending. But damn, man, like Forsberg, Arvidsson... Uh, on and on and on. Like the 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 team's primed to be good for a while, which by the way is great. Kevin news for the Fiala, Kamenev coming. Like there's yeah, there's good the, Pontus Auberg. Like it's, there's it's good. great news for the NHL because if you think about the way that the NHL structures their television here in the U.S., um, you're not seeing a lot of the Canadian teams in the Western Conference or lesser lights in the Western Conference unless they're playing someone in the East or they're playing mm -hmm. Chicago. So to have another team that I think people are going to be interested in, in checking out, especially when they play at home, like Nashville, is only a good thing. And now you've got did another did, team in the did, West. Did America dig on the Preds? Damn, they did. Oh, they did, eh? Oh, yeah. They, the, the whole atmosphere, it, it was a, a huge crossover thing where um, you know a media that, that wouldn't normally cover the, the Stanley Cup final were covering the proceedings in Nashville and the catfish and the country music and the you know 75,000 people or whatever the hell it was on on game six outside to watch the game and stuff it was um it was definitely their moment and like I've been saying everywhere like it's several years in the making this isn't going to be a situation where all of a sudden they're they're drawing 12,000 next year because they're not as good as they were this year like it is it's a hockey town and it's going to be a hockey town for for a, a while 
um, until in, until things like go south or they get real yeah. cynical. It's yeah, it's, this it's, is it's a th- great great thing for hockey. This is a good this is a good team, and especially now where the West has started to level off a little bit. Chicago coming back to the pack. Like there's no one who's running away with the Western Conference. A lot of the talent has gone from the West to the East. The East rise up. Look what the Metro did this year. Um, you know, to me, the the better conference is the East right now. So listen, man, the West is jump ball, and it probably you know will be jump ball for a while as no yeah. one is clearly distinguishing themselves. I know Oilers fans might say, "Hold on a second here, we're a you know we're a, a move or two away from being a juggernaut in the Western Conference," but no one is as of you know right now distinguish themselves as the new Chicago Blackhawks in the West, right? So um, why not? Why? I mean, I could totally see. I could see Nashville right back in the final in the same way that to your point about you know the dynasty of three. You can see the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the final next year, can't you? Totally, absolutely. Um, the, uh, the let's talk, let's talk about the Golden Knights for a second. So it's sure the worst the worst kept secret in hockey was that Mark Andre Fleury was going to head there. The question is, do you think it's going to be is a stopgap? Yeah, is yeah. he going to stay there or is he going to be repurposed to, to another team? Because the, the problem is, is that the musical chairs of teams needing goaltenders stopped and like the only team that needs one is Calgary. I mean, maybe Philadelphia. Couple of, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, okay. Like I said, the only team that needs one is Calgary because there's no way in the hell Marc-Andre <laughs> Fleury is ever going to be oh, playing Oh, come on. You're a pro wrestling guy. You'd love the sound of that. You love it. <laughs> Do you want to do you want to hear what it sounds like when the home team fans <laughs> chant flurry flurry if he messes up in the first game of the season? That's going to sound like no. But I think the other. But here's another intriguing idea, and 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 keep this in mind. Keep this in your back pocket. There's only one reason why Robin Laner's on the Buffalo Sabers, and that reason got fired. Yep. So Mark Andre yep. Flurry with the Sabers. What do you think about that? I could totally see it. Yeah. I don't. I have a strong belief that I'm. I'm sure that there are a lot of people uh, above the coaching position that are not in love with Robin Lehner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Murray. You know, paid us a, a pretty big price tag to get him in the first place. Boy, did he! And here comes. You know, here comes Jason Botterill uh, from the Pittsburgh Penguins, who has a relationship mm-hmm. with Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury. Oh yeah, I can. I can see it. Right? All day, every day. Who was in yep. A Few Good Men with Kevin Bacon. That's right. You figured <laughs> out the connection. Congratulations. Thanks, um, man. The, uh, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that's that's the spot. I know Calgary's all like, come here, come play. We're, we love you. I think I think Buffalo's the play. If, if, if they, if they want to spend the dough and get them, I think that's the play. That said, I also think there's something to be said for, for the uh, Golden Knights having a goalie that might be able to make them a little bit better than they should be next year. And uh, with due respect to Grubauer and, and uh, Ranta and all those other cats, I think Fleury's that guy. So I think that's also an interesting prospect is maybe you want a charismatic, awesome dude to be your goalie and maybe your, your, you know, one of your faces of your franchise um, if things don't work out trade-wise. Great piece of marketing too, right? Vegas He's acquires three-time three Stanley Cup champion Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and and he's a smiley dude, and he's a happy dude, and people will, will, will dig dig him there, and and he's a great guy to have in the room for a team that obviously might have some real dark times as an expansion team. So mm-hmm. I think there's, I think either way they they win. If they find someone to take him, they win. If he stays on the roster, they win. I wonder how now, many here, picks. I wonder how many picks Vegas ends up with at this year's draft from all these <laughs> deals. 
the entire third round. Third round? How about the entire first round? <laughs> like, honestly, if you're, if you're trying to throw them anchor contracts, I mean, honestly, McPhee can just collect up first round picks. Why it's not? Gonna it's going to be interesting to see how many vets he takes and how many that stay on the team. Like a James Neal, Molson, probably. I saw one projection that said Camilleri from the Devils. I think that's actually a really good pick for them, to be honest with you. He's a fun yeah. guy. He's 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 a good he's a good face of the franchise kind of guy. And which unrestricted free agents signed there? <laughs> and 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 do their names rhyme with Blomier Blogger? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no with way the Florida, with the Florida there's Panthers no... turning turning over a new leaf when there's a new there's coach no, there's and no going way McPhee resetting. He will never work with Yager again, dude. It's a showbiz, showbiz. Where there's where there's money, there's understanding, and oh yeah. All right, Come let's on. talk about two coaching things before we get to some listener mail. Um, Bugner in in Florida, you like? Very much a Dale Talon move, don't you think? Yep. Yeah, very much sounds like this very much feels like a Dale. This is because if it were Dallas Aikens, I'd say to myself, mm, okay, this is a lot of, you know, collectively, you know, the, the brain trust gets together and he's a strong analytics guy and boom. But this one feels like this is Dale Talon saying, you know, Bob Bugner has, you know, an old schoolish mentality. He is our guy. Yeah. He basically rehired Gerard Gallant. I mean, let's be honest. Younger they got rid of the guy. Of yeah, they got rid of the guy that they that he liked, and he rehired a guy very much in his image. Players love him, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, the, the the players will love him. Um, he knows a lot of them from his time in the OHL, whether it's Aaron Ekblad, whether it's Vincent Trocheck. Like, there's a lot of those players he already knows. Um, it's a listen, man. It's a good it's a good starting spot for him as a head coach. Because this thing, this thing can turn around fast. I mean, I, they do need to lose some of this. You know, I always harp on Yager about this one. But as long as you have Yager as your first line right winger, I just wonder about how far you're going to go regular season or otherwise. If they can, you know, cut that cord and move on and find someone else on the right side with Barkoff and Huberto, like this thing can turn around quick. Yeah, I really, I really do believe Florida. Florida would be a fascinating team. Florida's going to be one of the more interesting teams next year. Three great so, young r- r- young forwards and, and a, and a franchise-level defenseman who now has Bugner in his ear. That's only a good thing. Yeah. I, no, I, think, I, it's, have, I think it's a good hire, and he knows how to work with kids, obviously. And speaking of the Sabres, I have, uh, I have uh, offered my full-throated endorsement of Phil Housley as their next coach. Phil Housley or Rick Tockett, sir? I know it's going to be one of the two, and I, I say Housley because I, I think the – I know the trend is hire your guy who works with defensemen as the assistant. I say buck the trend. I, I, I think I think this is a guy who is ready to be a head coach. I think this mm-hmm. is a team that desperately needs someone to figure out a thing or two on their defense. I think he coaches the his philosophy on what defensemen should do is very much uh, forward thinking for 2017. I like Tockett. Uh, for the experience, because Phil doesn't have any experience as a head coach, basically. Uh, you know, he was a head coach for a, a tournament team, but not for a team for a full season. I like Tockett's experience, and I like Tockett's relationship with Phil Kessel vis a vis a potential relationship with Jack Eichel. Um, and there's a very good chance he gets hired because of the Botterill connection. That's but it. I there also, you go. I, but, but I also think that Jason Botterill got hired by the Sabres after waiting years to get his shot. To run a show, and why doesn't he do the same thing for Phil Housley? 
Think outside the box. Hire the guy who may not on paper have the necessary experience, but may on but may actually be the guy you need. So they don't go with an ex Pittsburgh coach or assistant coach twice in a row. Well, Biles yeah. going to talk it. There's that too. Yeah, um, Biles was part of that culture, it, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it'll, so it'll be one of those. It'll be one of those two. Let's do some mail here before we punt. All right, here we go. First of all, got? a correction, as some of the readers have pointed out, or listeners rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of Montreal and Calgary, the Oilers never actually had three in a row. It was the Islanders that the last team that had three in a row. Right. Oh, yeah. Steve Smith. That's oh. right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, Mustard Lips wants to know, the yes, 2017 season will forever be remembered as the season of blank. What are you filling that blank with? Video review. Oh, no. Parsing off sides. Thank you so. Thank you so much for oh, God. saving saving me from having to come up with an answer on the spot. That's a great answer. Oh yeah, video of driving ourselves crazy about video review. Everybody hating it, yet everyone at the league office saying everything's working great, and this is what we wanted. Knowing full well, this is what nobody wanted. We didn't <laughs> want the Deshane call. That's what we didn't want. Yeah. Instead, yeah, no. we got this. Yeah. I ordered apple pie. Don't you love lemon meringue? Yeah. Isn't it great? We- we wanted we wanted to make sure there wasn't an egregious offside that resulted in a goal, and then we got a thing where now we're counting the number of pixels between a guy's skate blade and the ice. It's maddening. Oh. Uh, oh. Michael Perino wants to know what trade move or bribe are you most looking forward to? I assume he means vis-a-vis the Vegas Golden Knights. I am I am fascinated to see what Anaheim does to get out of their pickle. I don't Anaheim know. Anaheim or Anaheim or Minnesota. Anaheim yeah. slash Minnesota. Th- the, yeah, th- those are the two that I'm most curious about. Because they, they they wagered on that team getting, I guess, as far as they did, maybe getting farther, and really left themselves in the lurch. There was no there was no ground laid pretty much to figure out something. I mean, you assume that they have some deal in place with Vegas, but it's gonna cause them some pain. They're in a, they're over a barrel right now. Well, and they don't have their first round pick this year. Yeah. Right? That was the uh, that was the Eves deal that ended up going to Dallas. Because yeah. they got so far. So they don't even have the 29th overall to, to, to entice George McPhee with. Now, many might say that's okay because next year's draft is a significantly deeper one than this year. Okay, fine. We'll take next year's first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, two, uh, one more here. Uh, uh, both, uh, this is kind of related. One question is uh, with four cups and a gold medal, is Chris Kunitz Hall of Fame worthy from Alex Wilson? And that brings us to the other question from Rob Feeney, which is who from these Penguins teams uh, ends up in the Hall of Fame besides 87 and 71? So you have Fleury and Latang. Uh, I mean, this is without, yeah. without figuring out what Murray ends up being. Yeah, we don't know about Murray yet. Um, I, I mean, I don't, Kunitz has, you know, 200 goals. I'm sure he has the, the Cups. I don't put a whole big stock in that, or else Marcel Dion and Jobar Perot don't make it in. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Kunis no, is Chris no, Osgood of, uh, of forwards. You can't put Chris Kunis in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, you can't. Although, <laughs> if you're one of those people that said, that think like that, you know, you got to reward the individuals for being part of outstanding teams. You know, he kind of does have that hardware. You know, cup with Anaheim, three with Pittsburgh, gold medal. Kessel Hall of Famer. Let's see how the career winds up. I think if he would have won a Conn Smythe Trophy last year, he would have warmed to the conversation. 
No, I, I honestly I can't see anyone other than eighty-seven 200, or seventy-one. Two hundred ninety-six goals in eight hundred and thirty-two games, and he's twenty-nine. So yeah, no. He projects uh, through ten years, um, according to uh, Hockey Reference. They have those like projections things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Around Brennan Shanahan's type career, around Jeremy Roenick's type career. Um. And for his Shall, career, I, I wouldn't. He, I wouldn't put he, Ronan he, again. He lines up with Cam Neely. That's sort of like numbers, and and Neely, of course, is like your your bottom rung of the ladder as far as guys climbing into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Okay, I hate doing the based on because there's so many examples of guys that have been allowed in that open the door for other players that you look at and you say, no way, this guy can't be Hall of Fame. But the well, what about argument? pops up mm-hmm. and that's what makes it bad when you sort of you know do a favor for someone yeah and let's let's or, not forget about the most important thing for a hall of famer which is that most of the people inside that room don't like phil and uh, that's always a factor it's part of it kept uh-huh. eric out for a long time kept that's pat right. burns out for a long time kept pat, kept pat burns out through his death those bastards oh jesus that was All embarrassing right. Sorry, we let. We there, ended on a, there, are, on a, there are two people to blame for that, and I don't think they listen to this podcast. But so you want to mention their names? Nah. All right. When they pass on, I will. Mm-hmm. So there you go, everybody. Because that'll be really classy of me. <laughs> Mur- murder, murder the Hall of Fame selection committee one by one, uh, uh, like great. judges in the Pelican Brief, and, and Merrick will yeah. let you know which one of your murder victims there were, there kept were Pat out of the Hall of Fame. There were, there were two. There were two. Oh, by the way, from, what, from what I've been told, please don't murder anybody because I made that joke. Because uh, um, it's a weird world out there. <laughs> we had a guy, <laughs> we had we had a guy shoot up a pizza place in in Washington D.C. because he yeah. was convinced that the internet told him there was a pedophile ring, being, pedophile run out of there. ring being run out of there. Uh, yeah. So please don't please don't kill and murder. No. Don't, please don't murder, death, kill the Hall of this Fame. This is only a podcast, folks. This is made for giggles and laughs, and every now and then to tickle your brain. Now, are you None going to Chicago? I am going to Chicago. I'm right. leaving next Thursday So morning. we have to figure out some level of meetup type deal at some point. May, I don't know when. Maybe Thursday. Uh, who the hell knows? We'll figure it out. Ollie's got it done, man. Are you Are you going to go on? Th- are you around Thursday night? I am around Thursday night, yeah. I've got a lot of, I've got rehearsals all day Thursday, though. But I, I can, I'll, I'll definitely be there for Thursday night. Let's figure out Thursday night and, and figure out if we can do something then. I think that's the, probably the best time to do it. Yeah, totally. Um, and then we'll figure it out. So for all of you asking, Jeffy and I are both in Chicago. We'll do a meetup someplace, and everyone is uh, gonna have a great, great. I time. think Bigfoot's got it, got it, uh, got it planned. I think she's got yep. the whole thing sussed out. So I'll, oh, I'll, I'll connect with her, and we'll figure it out. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, Done. And you you don't have to do a thing. Woo! All right. Right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, how was? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. How was Vegas for you, bud? You mean uh, Nash Vegas? Yeah. Oh no, sorry, Nashville. How was Nashville for you? Nash Vegas was uh, too much. It was too much. Uh, when we were talking about how long the playoffs felt, it felt extra long because a uh, nonstop diet of barbecue and beer and long nights with our, our writer friends really w- took a toll on on your boy. It was Did long. I? Yeah, and plus I got a little sick towards the end, so I had like, uh... a, you know, I'm like I'm like exa- I'm like physically exhausted right now, but it's fine. Dude. It's 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 part part and parcel of the thing. I'm just happy that everybody you know had a good time reading the stuff. The 
nonsense stories about Caps fans becoming Penguins fans and Catfish uh, guy being arrested and uh, the NBC, you know, trying to trying to take trying to trade NBC hats for Mike Mulberry signs. I'm happy that I was able to bring you all stories beyond the ice whilst covering the series. <laughs> beyond the rank. Hey, okay, so here's my DM from Allie. So it looks like it's uh, the 22nd at Crossroads on Madison. There it is, Crossroads on Madison. Crossroads on Madison is the bar. Yeah, man. On the 22nd. That's and that's uh, that's a Thursday. All right. That's I have Thursday. to figure out how to get back uh, from uh, Vegas and uh, and get it up, get to that bar. <laughs> Hang on, you're going to the draft, right? Yeah, they. Uh, I don't know if you heard. We had some staff reductions. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So yeah, I'm going to the draft. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. All right. So uh, I'll nice be to see up you back. again. Yeah. Exactly. It's been a long right? time. Yeah. Been a long time. All right. We'll uh, we'll uh, talk we'll see you guys soon. soon. Yeah. Exactly. All right, everybody. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.